Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends, and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. For those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, like I said, my name is Ian. I have been hosting this podcast for about a year now. I was uh, looking back at my Facebook memories and saw it was a year ago yesterday that the Twitter account went live. You can find that at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Uh, I work in digital marketing, SEO services by day, by night. I'm a major sports fan. And the Boston Bruins are my first sports love. I do reside up in Canada, about an hour outside of Toronto. And full disclosure, I am a Raptors and Blue Jays fan as well. Uh, Hearty congratulations to the Boston Celtics for their win over the Raptors in Game 7 on uh, Friday. And I hope you all enjoy that continued playoff run if you are also a Celtics fan. Uh, big win for the Patriots as well and Cam Newton's debut, which was very entertaining to watch. Anyways, I digress. Previously to hosting the podcast, I was a contributor for SB Nation, uh, Second City Hockey, Fear the Finn, covering junior hockey and prospects for the the Blackhawks and the Sharks. Uh, I also worked for about five years as a hockey news editor for The Score up here in Toronto, the mobile sports app, number one mobile sports app, and uh, have also, you know, been writing about hockey for, uh, I think, upwards of nine, ten years now, which is which is pretty crazy to think about. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. Like I said, the show is there as well, at LO underscore Boston Bruins. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts is what I use for my Android phone. Please hit that subscribe button and each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download and listen and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very, very much appreciated. Today on the podcast, I'm going to talk for a few minutes about the confluence of events that led to a tweet over the weekend from Joe Haggerty of NBCSN Sports in Boston. He wrote, it's going to be really interesting when Anton Hudobin wins a Stanley Cup before Tugarask as a number one goalie for an NHL team. I said on Twitter that I wasn't going to respond, but, you know, it's an interesting kind of story as to how we got to this spot. And we will, of course, kind of debunk that tweet in and of itself. But let's begin by giving due props to Anton Hudobin, who has been playing just lights out for the Dallas Stars here in the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Number one goalie in Dallas, Ben Bishop, has been deemed unfit to play for pretty much the entire playoffs here for the Dallas Stars. Of course, that doesn't have anything to do necessarily with COVID-19. That's just the general designation given to injured players here in the playoffs to protect privacy. 
Hudobin has made 17 starts for the Stars here in the postseason. He has put together a record of 11-6 and six with a 9-18 save percentage. If you go back to the regular season, you will recall that Hudobin led the NHL in save percentage with a mark of 9-30 with 30 games under his belt, a record of 16-8-4. Again, largely backing up Ben Bishop, who was acquired from the Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago now with a view to yeah, helping the Stars contend for a Stanley Cup. As it stands, they are one win away from the final thanks to a 3-1 series lead over the Vegas Golden Knights, a series in which they have been uh, wildly outshot, uh, but have been taking advantage of their opportunities and getting some timely saves from Hudobin. Of course, you will recall that Hudobin has had a couple stints with the Boston Bruins over the years. He first joined the Bruins around the 2011 NHL trade deadline, sent from the Minnesota Wild to the Bruins in exchange for Jeff Penner and Miko Lettinen. He was assigned to the Providence Bruins, played 16 games down there, and he was called up as an emergency goalie for Boston during the 2011 Stanley Cup playoff run. He was included in the team's celebratory picture after Boston won in the final in Vancouver, and he was also awarded a Stanley Cup ring for his inclusion on the squad. He did not play for the Bruins that season, so his name is not engraved on the cup, but he was part of uh, the celebration, and he does have a ring. He signed a two-year contract with the Bruins on July 1st of that year. He made his debut with the Bruins on April 5th of 2012 with a win against the Ottawa Senators. He then served as backup to Tuukka Rask during the lockout-shortened 2012-2013 season. This, of course, after Tim Thomas uh, abruptly left the team. During that season, he posted a record of 9-4-1 with a 9-20 save percentage. Did not appear in the playoffs uh, as the Bruins went to the final that year. In 2013, he signed a free agent deal, one-year, one-way contract worth $800,000 with the Carolina Hurricanes. From there, in 2015, he was traded to the Ducks in exchange for James Wisniewski, and he was a backup to Frederick Anderson in Anaheim. And then at the end of the 2015-2016 season, Hudobin signed a two-year contract to return to the Bruins. That deal was worth $2.4 million, so an average annual value of $1.2 million. He appeared in 16 games for the Bruins in 2016-17, posting a record of 7-6-1 with a 9-0-4 save percentage. He also spent some time down in the AHL with the uh, Providence Bruins. In 2017-2018, he appeared in 31 games for the Bruins with a record of 16-6-7 and a 9-13 save percentage. Despite those impressive numbers, it's here that the Bruins and Hudobin parted ways in the 2018 offseason. And before we get to that, let's take a moment to talk about Roman. Now, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves. 
or we avoid the topic altogether. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today, and if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Again, GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Now, as COVID-19 restrictions continue across the world, you should continue supporting restaurants in your community, and you can do so safely with DoorDash. You can't around restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code locked on NHL. That's code locked on NHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. In the summer of 2018, Anton Hudobin became an unrestricted free agent and he signed a contract worth $5 million with the Dallas Stars, a two year contract that he is now at the tail end of. The Bruins, on the same day, July 1st, 2018, they signed Yaroslav Halak to a two-year contract worth $5.5 million. He was coming off a stint with the New York Islanders. He had posted a record of 20-26-6 with a 9.08 save percentage in 2017-18. Again, that's compared to... Hudobin's numbers of 16, 6, and 7 with a 9.13 save percentage. So better numbers for Hudobin. I couldn't really remember why it was that the Bruins didn't resign Hudobin, why they had elected to sign Halak instead. One of the indicators that I came up with was uh, from Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald, who wrote this. Backup goaltender was once an overlooked position and afterthought, but teams that took that approach did so at their own peril, including the Bruins. If you look back at the two consecutive seasons the Bruins missed the playoffs in the last decade, the lack of reliable backup was a leading culprit on those two near misses. None of the backups, not Nicholas Svedberg, not Jonas Gustafsson, not Malcolm Subban, significantly pushed Tuka Rask for playing time, instead contributing just barely adequate support in a traditional backup sense. The goaltending situation was much improved for the next two seasons, 
with the acquisition of Anton Hudobin. But when the Bruins and Hudobin could not come to terms on a new deal, Sweeney decided to invest even more heavily in the position. After having allocated $1.2 million per season on a two-year deal for Hudobin, Sweeney upped the ante with a two-year deal for Halak worth $2.75 million. Halak has been more of a 1B instead of a traditional backup, and it could not have worked out much better for the Bruins. Now, what's interesting here is that Conroy saying the Bruins and Hudobin cannot come to terms on a new deal two summers ago, while they ended up paying Halak $5.5 million over two years, and Hudobin earned $5 million from the Dallas Stars uh, on a two-year contract of his own. So obviously, the Bruins, A, valued Halak higher than Hudobin, and B, were willing to give Halak $5.5 million while not being willing to meet the $5 million that the Stars paid for Hudobin, or or rather the Stars thought Hudobin was worth that contract while the Maroons did not, and they took even more money than they were prepared to give Hudobin and gave it to Halak. Which brings us to 2020, where both goalies were pressed into starting roles for their respective teams in the postseason. Ben Bishop, as I mentioned, is the starting goalie for the Dallas Stars. He signed a six-year contract worth $29.5 million with the Stars in 2017. I was wrong earlier. I totally forgot that he was traded to the Los Angeles Kings in that season and was traded by the Kings to the Stars, his contract negotiating rights at least, for a fourth-round pick at the 2017 NHL entry draft. He was traded to the Kings in 2017 for Peter Budai, defenseman Eric Cernak, and a seventh-round pick. Totally forgot about that, so please forgive me. Bishop was a Vesna Trophy finalist last season after posting a record of 27-15-2 with a 9.34 save percentage. He was beaten out by Andrea Vasilevsky, who took over his starting job in Tampa Bay. This season, Bishop posted a record of 21-16-4 with a 9-20 save percentage. Hudobin in the regular season, uh, like I said, 16-8-4 with a league-leading 9-30 save percentage. Now here is where I think the difference between Halak and Hudobin was made, at least in the Bruins' eyes. Halak brought a wide wealth of experience to the Bruins that Hudobin lacked, specifically in the playoffs. Prior to this season, Hudobin had not appeared in a single NHL playoff game. Well, Halak, of course, had proven playoff experience, specifically back in 2010 as a member of the Montreal Canadiens, leading the team to a rather startling conference finals appearance. He also had some experience with the Islanders, uh, back in 2015. Halak has almost or over twice as many regular season appearances as well, and the Bruins certainly value that experience and have been using him as a basically co-starter with Rask over the last two seasons to great success. They won the Jennings Trophy this year as the top goaltending duo, 
and Rask was a Vesna Trophy candidate or finalist this season and has really benefited from that kind of platoon, getting that extra rest. It certainly served him in the playoffs last year as well, where the Bruins came one win short of a Stanley Cup, and he would have won the Conn Smythe as well, most certainly. When the Stars signed Hudobin, General Manager Jim Nill said Anton is a proven NHL netminder that gives his team a chance to win every time he's on the ice. We look forward to him joining our club and making a positive impact for the next two seasons. I don't think Nill anticipated Hudobin starting for the Stars in the postseason, but that's exactly what he has done. And again, he's brought the team within one win of the final with some amazing play and really lined himself up as a Smythe trophy candidate, if not favorite, in his own right. We all know that Halak was pressed into starting role for the Bruins after Tuka Rask opted to leave the bubble. He posted a record of 4-5 and five with a 9.02 save percentage. So not great numbers, but obviously these circumstances were difficult to step into after not playing for several months. And where the Stars are helping out Hudobin is in their scoring ability in front of him. They're averaging two goals per game at five on five play, whereas the Bruins were down at 1.3 goals per game. And that certainly is a big difference for the stars over the Bruins. Now back to Haggerty's tweet. He's saying be crazy. If Hudobin wins a cup as a number one goalie before Rask, a, he's not a number one goalie. He's a backup goalie who has had to start because Ben Bishop has been injured. Certainly, if Bishop comes back at some point, Hudobin would likely keep the starting job for now because of how he's played. But make no mistake, Ben Bishop is the starting goalie, the number one goalie for the Dallas Stars, if healthy. Furthermore, Hudobin would still have to do what the Bruins couldn't, and that would be beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. For my money, the Lightning are the best team in the playoffs. Keep in mind, they've been doing all this without their captain, Steven Stamkos. They've had injuries to uh, Braden Point. They've lost Nikita Kucherov here and there, and that will be a huge test for Hudobin and the Stars if that is indeed the matchup in the final, which it looks like it will be. I, for one, am rooting for Dobby. I think uh, he is you know, just a great player and a great person on and off the ice, and I'm really rooting for him. I've been in the Stars' corner since the Bruins were eliminated. I kind of adopted them as a B team a few years ago, and um, I really like you know, Jason Dickinson. I'm a huge fan of after he played here in Guelph. Uh, for the Storm, won an OHL championship. I've still kept up on Tyler Sagan's career, and uh, they have a really, really entertaining team. And certainly if they do play the Lightning in the final, I'll be rooting for the Stars in that one and hope Dobby can make good on this run. Um, it'd be pretty crazy for him to win a cup and the Conn Smythe kind of entering uh, free agency as a UFA at the age of... How old is he right now? 34. Just turned 34 in May. Uh, but, you know, good for him. I don't think it has anything at all to do with Tuka Rask. That comparison is uh, just pretty silly in my mind and a bit of a lazy take. And just not even right because he is not the number one goalie in Dallas. 
So in short, the Bruins were smart to sign Halak because of his experience, and that has paid off for the Bruins, despite the fact he faltered in the playoffs this season under, uh, you know, duress because of being pressed into the starting role and having not played much over the last four months, or not at all, really. B, Hudobin succeeding because he's getting support from his offensive players, and they also have dynamic defensemen who help get the puck up the ice to create those offensive opportunities. And, you know, that's something the Bruins didn't have in the playoffs this year, and it's certainly something they lacked in Game 7 against the Blues last season if they had capitalized on a couple amazing opportunities on Jordan Bennington, then they would have A, won the cup, and Rask would have been the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, and we wouldn't have these lazy takes to begin with. So, good on Kudobin for succeeding with the Stars to date. Again, he still would have to get past the Lightning for this to even be a point to be made, but full credit to him for making some big stops for the Stars and for the Stars to take advantage of their opportunities against a Vegas Golden Knights team that is widely out shooting them and should be having a better fate in the Western Conference Finals. Anyways, I thought that was just interesting to rehash kind of how the Bruins came to have lack over Hudobin. I don't think the Bruins regret those decisions that were made back in 2018. Halak has worked out very well for the Bruins. In fact, he's already re-signed for another season. And uh, the duo of Rask and Halak is, like I said, as good as any in the league, including Bishop and Hudobin, uh, with maybe... No, yeah, I'd put them over Fleury and Leonard as well. Um, So yeah, let me know what you think. At Ian C. McLaren, at LO underscore Boston Ruins, if you have any opinions either way on this topic. Let's finish with some news and notes from around the NHL. Braden Point returned to the Lightning lineup after a one-game absence and registered his sixth multi-point game this season. Tampa is now one win away from the Stanley Cup Final. The first three goals in Game 4 between the Lightning and the Islanders were scored in a 27-second span, with Brock Nelson opening the scoring, Blake Coleman and Andre Palat tallying 12 seconds apart to erase that 1-0 deficit. The Stars tonight look to reach the Stanley Cup Final for the first time in over 20 years. Uh, They'll look to eliminate the Vegas Golden Knights tonight in Game 5. Their last appearance, of course, was back in 1999, where they defeated the Buffalo Sabres. Braden Point, I should mention, along with Hudobin, is a very clear Stanley Cup MVP candidate, uh, also known, of course, as the Conn Smythe Trophy. And one note out of Edmonton, uh, the Athletics' Alan Mitchell, otherwise known as Low Tide, he wrote a piece about possible trade partners for the Oilers, and he mentioned our Boston Bruins, saying there might be a window of opportunity for a team to acquire Jake DeBrusque. Fluto Shinzawa detailed earlier in September the organization has been contemplating the future and next contract for the team's talented young winger. DeBrusque, who is an Alberta native and whose dad, Louis, works on Oilers broadcasts, so that would be interesting. Uh, DeBrusque he wrote, is an attractive option for the McDavid line. 
and he is a volume shooter, 9.14 shots per 60 at 5-on-5, and has had success scoring in the past. One thing for DeBrusque is that his shooting percentage has sagged from 14.53 to 9.16, and that is one reason why his goal totals have dipped as well. He writes, if Edmonton believes DeBrusque experienced a one-season downbeat, his 5-on-5 career shooting percentage was 13% before this year, there might be an opportunity to acquire a strong solution to the problem on McDavid's wing. DeBrusque would need a new contract, and it might cost more than $5 million per season based on Shinzawa's comparables, although the flat cap might temper expectations. As for the Bruins' ask, there might be a window of opportunity to offer prospects and draft picks. Should the Bruins have an interest in dealing DeBrusque for that kind of package, the first-round selection in 2020, or perhaps a high-end defensive prospect might come into play? I don't know if the Bruins, A, have a desire to trade DeBrusque. It remains to be seen kind of if they will be able to uh, come to an agreement on a deal I've said many times that DeBrusque's agent seems to value him in the 5 to 6, maybe 6.5 million range, whereas the Bruins, I'm sure, are going to be reluctant to meet that number, seeing as he did have a down year this year. Um, if he were to be traded, sure, Edmonton could be a destination. I'd like to see at least Jesse Pogliarvi come back, plus picks and maybe other prospects as well. It would have to be, uh, you know, a significant package in order for that to happen. Not not a significant package, but you'd want to get someone who can play at the NHL right now, which Pugliarvi would fit, and at least a pick or a prospect as well. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. It's interesting um, to hear that rumblings out there, and I wouldn't be shocked in all honesty, if DeBrusque has played his last game for the Boston Bruins. But again, it would take A, a complete dissolution of trade talks between the two parties, as well as um, a good package from the trading team. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of the Lockdown Boston Bruins podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this discussion about the backup goalies and some Jake DeBrusque trade talk. Please do subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, thank you so much again for tuning in. And we'll be back tomorrow with some more black and gold content. Take care of yourselves and each other, friends.